listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm going to give you, I'm going to take the time to um, to go through these, and I'm going to try to get through all nine of these today. I'm giving you nine reasons that Christians struggle financially. We're called to dominate in every area of life, including in our covenant of blessing, our covenant of provision, wealth. You know, you have to make up your mind, God wants me to be blessed financially. I'll just say right off the bat that, you know, all these things, I can go through all all nine of these things, but you as a believer have to make up your mind, God wants me to be blessed financially. You just have to have no qualms about it. God wants me to be blessed financially. If you don't get that one thing right, if you don't get that one thing right, then none of the other things, I mean, you can do them and whatever, but if you don't believe it, everything that we receive from God has to be received by faith. And so, you know, unless you're clear on that one thing, that one area, then the rest of it, it just, it won't work for you. It won't make sense to you because You'll either feel bad about it or people will be able to shame you out of it, you know, and there's, there's this, um, especially in our generation, there's this aversion that people have to it. Like, you know, like there's something wrong with you. If you believe that a loving heavenly father wants to take care of you (laughs) and put you into a place of overflow. And so you have to just make up your mind. I don't care how the world reacts to it. I don't care how people talk about it. God wants me to be blessed financially. And I know there's preachers that dance around the issue and they'll just talk about the blessing in general and that God just wants you to be blessed. No, but there's a part of it that needs to be talked about, that needs to be taught about. God wants me to be blessed financially. And you have to make it up in your mind. I don't care if people mock it. I don't care if people get angry about it because the Bible says they will, especially wicked people. But you know what I found out? Surprisingly, even religious people get angry about it, which I can't understand. I can't for the life of me understand why religious people would get angry about God wanting to bless you. I can't, I can't understand that. That's beyond my, my natural understanding. And so you just have to make up in your mind, God wants me to be blessed financially. So from this day forward, please have no more qualms about it. Have no more issues with it. And just understand, of course, as we go through the word of God today, you'll see more reasons uh, why it's kept back from people. It's never because God wants to keep people that are his children out of his blessing. I'll say that from the very beginning. The reason one... This is not going to be one of the nine reasons I cover because God is keeping people out of his blessing. There are none of his children that God does not want to walk in that kind of blessing. None, not one of his children. I can't even imagine doing that as an earthly father to my children. 
I can't even imagine doing that to one of my kids where I like, I bless two of them abundantly. <laughs> and then for the third one, I'm like, no, I want to purposely keep that child out of the blessing, my provision. I don't want them eating. I don't want them to have clothing. I don't want, I, I just want them to struggle. That's never God's desire. So can we just understand from the outset of this broadcast, and you can put it in the comments, it is never God's desire for me to struggle. It is never God's desire for me to struggle financially. Ever. God wants to take you into the overflow. God wants you to be blessed. And so what did he do? He set up a system so that you could be blessed and overwhelmed with, with his blessing financially. He set up a system that he curates so that you can walk in the overflow in that way. And so I'm going to go through these nine things that keep Christians from walking in that kind of provision, in that kind of blessing. And then, so, so number one, let's, let's just get this out of the way right at the top. Number one, because it's so foundational, it's so basic, and I won't spend a lot of time on it because it should be foundational. And that is that there are many Christians who refuse to tithe. There are many Christians who refuse to tithe. If you, how can God bless you if you refuse to return the basic thing to him, the tithe? And I think, and, I, and I'd have to look this up again. Maybe somebody could Google it and get the statistics on it because I had it all, but this, that was old data. I'd have to look at the newer, newest data. It was like 15% of churches have people tithing. But I think that number dropped to like nationwide, like eight or 9% of Christians actually tithe. And so the article that I was reading was talking about it from the standpoint that nine to 10% of Christians in, in a church congregation are taking care of the rest of the congregation financially. What are they saying now? 5%? It's dropped to five now? Wow. What, when was that? When did that come out? You have a date? Alex is saying that the new percentage is 5%. So it's dropped from nine to five. And I don't know how recent that is, but think about that. 5% of people in a congregation are taking care of the rest, the 95% of the congregation. Because remember something, that means if you're not tithing, then you're not giving either. Right? So say, what do you mean by that? They may give something. No, they're not. Because until you have tithed, until you have given your 10% to God, you've not given any offerings because your offerings are above and beyond your tithe. The tithe is what is due to God. I, I don't give him the tithe. It's not even mine to give him. I return it to him. I return the tithe and I give my offerings. I return the tithe and I give my offerings. So until I've returned his 10% to him, then I, I've not given a thing. So that means people that don't tithe don't give either. It's impossible. It's impossible. So think about that. 5% of believers... Now, they may put something, and I'm talking about from God's standpoint, they may put something in the offering plate. They may put something in the offering plate, but that doesn't mean 
that they're not still robbing God. So that's within the last five years. So that study was done within the last five years. So what, uh, to 2019 to now. Last five years, we have an average of 5% of Christians who actually tithe. Well, you wonder why so many Christians struggle. Because they've dishonored God so that they could honor themselves. You say, what do you mean by that? They've put themselves first over God. I've heard actually, I've actually heard people say, oh, brother, I can't afford to tithe. I respond, you can't afford not to. I like how Bishop Oyedepo says it. If you're not a tither, you'll always be a beggar. If you're not a tither, you'll always be a beggar. So I can't afford to do it. You can't afford not to do it. You can't afford not to. So that's shocking to me. I didn't know it was that low. It's dropped to 5%. You know, what's crazy? Let, I mean, let, let's think of this. So, Alex, Google um, what percentage or how many adults are in America? How many adults? Because I know there's like 330 Americans or 340 million Americans. 550 million. Americans? No, but how many adults? That's more than we have people in the nation. What's, what's the current nation population? It was just like 330 million people. Oh, you're saying the total population of America is 550? So 260 million adults. Okay, so okay, there you go. So Letty said 258 million point three million. Okay, so let's just say 260. So 260 million Americans, and what what would they say identify as Christians in America? This will be an interesting thing because I just want you to see this. This is the trick of the devil to keep the church of God not only poor but inactive and inconsequential. Watch this. This will blow your mind. 210 million of those adults identify as Christian? Wow. All right. Well, let's, let's go with that number, which I, you know, if I believe 210 of the 260 are Christians, which I don't. Uh, let's just go with an easier number, 150, because I don't believe 210 million of the 250 million of, or 60 million Christians are Christians in America. I don't believe that. I'd love to declare it by faith but I don't believe it in action. So let's, uh, I did a whole broadcast on that, JC, the sister to you. I did an entire broadcast about talking about why uh, people, people won't tithe because they say it's Old Testament or it's not for today. It's the one where I addressed Creflo Dollar and his uh, stance on tithing. So if you just search my channel for the Creflo Dollar video, in fact, Alex could probably put the link in the, in the comments for you guys. So let's just say there's 150 million Christians in America. That means that only 5% of them are actually tithing, which means that's only seven and a half million Christians that are tithing in America. Seven and a half million people out of the 150 million Christians, let's say. So that means that what are we down? Um, that means that there's 142 and a half million people that are not tithing. The average income in America is what, $33,000? The average adult income, not, not household income. Yeah, just go by household income because we'll half the number. And I know there's a lot of singles. Actually, you could do single income. 
I think it's like the 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 mid range is like what thirty three thousand dollars a year. Fifty one per individual or household. Not household, individual. So fifty one. All right, fifty one. Now think about this: fifty one thousand dollars a year is the average annual income. All right, that means that we'll we'll round down. That it is. I thought individuals like somewhere around thirty three. We'll call it thirty. We'll call it thirty. Let's just call it $30,000 to be on the low side. All right, watch this. So $30,000 a year, average individual income, that tithe is obviously $3,000, okay? I'm gonna have to turn my phone this way for the calculator to even work on these numbers. So $3,000 times 142.5 million people, all right? Do you know how much money that is? Just the tithe, if, if Christians would tithe, every year that would add to the kingdom of God in America $427.5 billion. It would almost add half a trillion dollars to the kingdom every year. Not if Christians gave larger offerings, if they would just tithe. If Christians would just tithe in America, it would add almost half a billion dollars, or excuse me, half a trillion dollars to the kingdom. $427.5 billion would come into the kingdom to preach the gospel, to, churches would be built without any sweat, we'd be able to do outreaches, we'd have crusades, we'd control television networks, all of those things. Not if Christians would give larger offerings, if they would simply do the foundational thing and tithe. Look at that. I'm going to write it down. And this is a low number, by the way. Remember that I rounded down how many Christians were in America, and I rounded down the annual individual income. I rounded it down. So think about that. I'm going to put it down in my notes. $427.5 billion would be added to the kingdom every year. Every year. Do you know what the kingdom could do with an addition in America, with an additional four hundred twenty-seven point five billion dollars. Think about that. Look at AJ AJ Bible. Apple's annual revenue is right under four hundred billion. So the church would be more profitable than Apple computers, which is is teetering on the most valuable corporation in the world. It's gone back between Exxon Mobil, Apple computers. Think about that. And the reason that uh, we're not seeing a lot of the things happen and, and, church, and, and, and churches struggle and people in church struggle, yeah, that's right, Beverly. We could reach different nations, do missionary work. There's so much that could be done. Not, not if Christians would so huge, you know, give 90% of their income, the basic 10% tithe to God would produce an, an additional $427.5 billion dollars. Wow, Microsoft passed Apple last week. So the tithe, many Christians struggle, and, and this is, I didn't know it was that low. That means 95% of Christians, I know none of these are the Victory Tribe. I know none of these are Miracle Word Church. I'm just saying the average Christian, we're not average Christians, we are the elite. I, I call us God's special forces. 
because we're doing, we're doing what the Bible says. But the average Christian, think about that, that there's only 5%, that means 95% of Christians in America. Then you wonder, how come the average American, why is it then that the average American's in credit card debt up to their eyeballs and they, they struggle and they can't, they can't get, yeah, that's right, Denise, no more bake sales, no more car washes, no more selling candy bars, no more fundraisers. If Christians would just tithe, 427.5 billion added to the kingdom. Woo! That's insane. That's insane. So let me, uh, let me Google this real quick. This will put it in perspective. This will put it in really, in really good perspective. Okay. This would be an interesting thing, Alex, to, to figure out how many individual churches are in the United States of America. That's how many individual churches there are? You have, you pulled that up? Okay. So let's do that real quick, just so that we can see, because this would blow people's minds. All right. So we have 427.5 billion dollars divided by 380,000 churches. Look at that. Sorry, you'll have to forgive me. I was homeschooled. Yeah, divided by 380,000. Every year, it would add, if it was just equally distributed, $1.125 million to the church, to each church, every year. It would add to their income $1.125 million to the church's income every year. Think about what a church could do every year. That means every single church in America would have an additional over a million dollars to do what they needed to do to reach their community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now listen, I can tell you right now that the average church in America is 60 people or less every Sunday, 60 people or less, right? So they're not bringing in a million dollars, period. They're not bringing in a million dollars, period, every Sunday. And that's the average church. Imagine if that was added to them on top of what they do bring in every year. It would be mind-blowing to see what we could do for our king, for the kingdom in our community if that was the case. But look at this. The And I didn't, I didn't want to spend this much time, but I just wanted you to see that 95% of Christians are not tithing, and then they wonder why they struggle. And then they wonder why their church struggles, and they wonder why. Because we're not doing what the Bible says. And many Christians struggle because they don't do the foundational thing, the basic thing. That's so basic. That's, that's kindergarten Christianity. That's 101 Christianity. Tithing. All right? That's number one. Number two, the second reason that many Christians struggle is because what is the thing that brings a harvest back to your hand? It's a seed. It's not a tithe. It's a seed. The tithe is returned to God. The seeds are what he multiplies. Amen. 
The seeds are what he multiplies. And what does the Bible say in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6? It says, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. So the second reason that many Christians struggle is because they don't properly engage God's system of seed time and harvest. I know there's a lot of pastors that are afraid to, to teach on this because they feel like they'll get a lot of backlash or flack. I don't care. I, I, want, you, I want you to just hear the truth. This is why many Christians are struggling. Many. So they don't sow seed. And if they sow, I had one, one guy came when I was an associate pastor. Uh, we had a meeting and this guy came in and he was just telling pastor and he was telling me, you know, I, I know you preach on this seed time and harvest, but you know, I've been, I've been giving and I've not been seeing any harvest come back. <laughs> and my uncle gave him such a good response, which is true. He said, no, no, you have. He said, harvest come back because God's not a liar. It's just that your harvests have been so insignificant, you didn't notice them. <laughs> your harvests have been so insignificant, you didn't notice them. Why is that? Because the Bible says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. If, if I were to walk down the aisle every Sunday and tip God with a $10 bill, what do you think is coming back to me? It's not going to shake my future. <laughs> it's not going to shake my future. I was in a, uh, watching a service one time and I saw the preacher get up and he said, I want everybody in this church. And it was a big conference. I mean, very big, five, 6,000 people. I want everybody in this church to get a $58 seat in your hand. That's going to shake your destiny. It ain't going to shake your destiny. It may not shake your week. <laughs> it may not change your week, let alone your month. It definitely ain't going to shake your destiny. There are very few people in the world, let alone America, that a $58 seed would shake their destiny. There are extremely few people in America alone that a $58 seed would shake their destiny. So hear what I'm saying. People sow small seed and they don't do the thing that takes faith. I, I, if you missed last night, go back and watch last night because I talked about the in depth, the two things that need to be a part of every seed you sow. It needs to be faith and honor. And if, if faith and honor aren't attached to a seed, if you're giving God something that doesn't even take, it doesn't even move you, it doesn't take faith to do. If I can do something for God and never even think about it, it didn't take faith. If I can do something for God and it doesn't even, I don't even think about it, I write it and forget all about it. That's not faith. My flesh will feel it. My, my flesh will resist that thing. It'll try to come against me doing that thing. And I've had that plenty, but I tell my flesh to shut up and I sow it anyway, because <laughs> I go by what the spirit says, not by what the flesh says. You have to engage God's system by faith and by honor. And many Christians never do that. Many Christians. And listen, it's, here's what I want you to understand. It's not a number amount. People think it's a number amount. Like, man, when I get to sowing this, that might be for you. But everybody's different. I use this example a lot so that people can understand the point I'm making. But people think it's a number. Like if I just sowed $1,000, okay. But what if you got two people, look look at this. You got three people sitting on the front row. Let's, let's do it that way. I got three people sitting on the front row and all three of them are gonna sow $1,000, okay? The first guy has $18 million to his name. Do you think that that $1,000 is gonna phase him or affect him at all? He has $18 million to his name, he'll not feel that $1,000. He'll write a check or put it on his credit. 
won't affect him at all. He won't even think about it again. Then you've got a guy in the middle who maybe, you know, he has savings or whatever. Maybe, maybe he has $70,000, to his name. And he decides, I'm going to sow $1,000. I'm going to sow $1,000. Well, let me tell you something. Someone who sows 180th of their total net worth for the rest of their life is a lot different than somebody who's sowing 1,000 out of 18 million. But then the third person has $42 in the bank. $42 in the bank. And they feel, because someone told them, you got to sow $1,000, all right? So now they've pulled a credit card out and they're giving money they don't even have. Remember something, God's not asking you to give what you don't have, he's asking you to give what you have. I'm gonna say that again. God's not asking you to give what you don't have. He's asking you to give what you have. Now, it's different. You may know you've got money coming in or something's coming this week and you, you give and, and whatever you pay your credit. That's different. But God's not asking you to give what you don't have. He's asking you to give what you have. People couldn't give what they didn't have in the Bible. There were no credit cards. There were no credit cards in the Bible. They could only give what they actually had possession of. God's not asking you to give what you don't have, but what you have. So notice the three different things. Number one, the first guy doesn't even feel the $1,000. The second guy, it's faith and honor for him. The third guy, he may go to jail at some point in his life because he may not be able to pay his bills. Who knows? But understand, that's three extremes or two extremes in one normal story. And you gotta, you gotta keep that in mind because if you think it's about a number, you'll miss it. If you think it's about a number, you'll miss it because every person is at a different place. Take me back to the chat. Someone asked in the comments, so what does a person, so what does a person who has $42 give? What they're led by the spirit. I'll tell you what they definitely give, $4.20 because that's your tithe, $4.20. And then you're led by the spirit as to what you give as an offering. I'll tell you what somebody who has $42 doesn't give, $1,000. Because they don't have it. Maria says, question, can you get to a point of obedience where you don't even flinch when it's time to tithe? Of course you can. That's how I live. I don't flinch when it's time to tithe. We tithe no matter what. I mean, tithe, tithe first thing that leaves my, my hand is a tithe. You need to get to the place in your life as a Christian, yes, you're not even thinking about the tithe. What you're thinking about is, as I prayed last night, Lord, put the biggest seeds in our hand this year that we've ever sown. I pray, Lord, that the seeds that leave my hand would blow my mind, and I've got faith. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that my accountant would become nervous. Yeah, that's right. And so you have to, you, you, if you think it's about a number, you've missed it, because every person's at a different level we, every person's at a different level. As I said, some, you know, for, for, let's go back to those three examples. Somebody that's sowing a thousand that has $42 in the bank. That's foolish. That's foolish. And I'll explain that in a minute. The person that's doing it, that may have 80, 60, $80,000 saved up. And they, they're going to sow a thousand of that for them. It may take faith, take honor for God. But let me tell you, the person that has 18 million and they sow a thousand, it's shameful. It's shameful. 
Look at the ratio. It takes no faith to do that. It doesn't take any honor to do, to do that. It's shameful. And so there's, it's the same number across all three people with three different representations and outcomes. Foolish, faith-filled, shameful. Foolish, faith-filled, shameful. Yeah, that's right, Tammy. That's why those, the introspection about your life and where you are in your life with Christ is so important because it determines what you can do for God and what you will do for God. So it's not only just people that don't tithe, but people that don't engage the system of seed time and harvest properly. My seeds have to have faith. My seeds have to have honor. That's a second reason that Christians struggle financially. A third reason is because they ignore God's word or even the leading and the principles of God's word. People ignore the principles of God's word. Do you know most young people would do well to just go through Proverbs every day? Read a proverb a day. There's the same number of Proverbs that there are days in most months. Read a proverb every day. Every single day. You know, you can read five Psalms and a proverb every day and read the book of Psalms and Proverbs every month. And they ignore God's word. And I'm talking about specifically the principles that are taught about finances in God's word. For example, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs to not put up your name or cosign for a stranger's debt. Don't do that. I don't know this person that well, but they're saying they want me to co-sign so they can get a car. Like, don't, the Bible says don't do it. Don't do it. I had a guy when I was in Bible school, and he was a real deadbeat. But he got, for somehow, he convinced his girlfriend that he'd met at some restaurant, uh, convinced his girlfriend's dad to co-sign on a car for him. He went missing. So guess who's paying those payments? The dad that doesn't even know who he is. Because his name's on it. But you know what the Bible says? Don't co-sign on a stranger's debt. That's a biblical financial principle. And so, you know what happens? Is that um, people ignore those things, just like that, that instruction from Scripture, and it causes them financial problems. Because they don't, they ignore the word, they don't follow biblical financial principles. Don't do dumb things that the Bible says not to do. I'll give you another example. The Bible says that a fool spends all that he has. I'm going to give you that reference so that you have it. Proverbs 21.20. Let's go there. Proverbs 21. 20. Listen to this verse. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling. Well, why are they in the wise man's dwelling? Because he hasn't consumed it all. But look, a foolish man devours it, devours it, consumes everything he has, consumes every single thing that he has. Let's look at that same Verse of scripture in the New Living Translation. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. That's the New Living Translation. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. So just by literally consuming every single thing that comes into your life, the Bible marks you as a fool for that that reason. 
that not everything you have should go out of your house every month. It makes, the, according to the scripture, it makes you a fool if you're spending every single thing you have and that you get from your job. No, because in the wise person's house, there's wealth and luxury. This passage says, in a wise person's house, uh, there's treasure and oil. But fools devour it all. Fools spend it all. Amen. That's right, Tammy said, another benefit of fasting, learning to tell our flesh no. That's exactly right. And so people ignore God's word and they ignore things like this. You know, there's people, <clears throat> it's funny how even sinners will use these principles. I was watching, um, sometimes I like to watch these um, world series of poker games because the swings on these cash games are so insane. There's guys, you'll be sitting at a table, you'll look at, they'll have the amount of money that's in the pot in the middle for these Texas Hold'em games. There might be $1.2 million in the pot that whoever wins that hand's getting $1.2 million coming to their stack. That's why most guys can't play those type of cash games. The swings are massive and their, their minds can't handle losing that much money. But there's some of these tournaments that the buy-in is a million dollars. Or the buy-in is $500,000 or $100,000. And people think, well, those guys are so foolish to, to put that much money up. First of all, what most people don't know, don't know is most of those guys have investors that say, hey, I'll put up the money for you to go in the tournament because I know you're skilled and I get a portion of your profits when you get out. So most of them have investors. But I was listening to one of them talk one time. I'm trying to remember his name. I think it's Chris, Chris something. He's the guy that always wears the big black cowboy hat. And you know what he said? He said, people think I'm foolish because I gamble or, or whatever. He said, but actually the way I, I structure my life, he said, I never at any given time in my life, I never have more than 1% of my total net worth tied up in any tournament or any poker game ever. 1% of my money, that's it. He said it maxes at that. So even sinners understand that principle, that a fool spends all that he has. A fool spends all that he has. And so how many people in church do we see doing that? <laughs> tax season comes around. I got my, you know everybody got their tax rebate because Sunglass Hut got stormed and Foot Locker got stormed and everybody's coming in with new Prada and Nikes on. A fool spends all that he has. And this stuff needs to be taught because people aren't properly teaching it. And as a result, we got a group of young people rising up that think they need to keep up with the Joneses. They think that prosperity is having a Gucci belt. They think prosperity is having a pair of Louis Vuitton shoes. That's what they think prosperity is. When I can tell you something, and you listen to me very carefully, people that are truly prosperous... You won't even know what they're wearing. They got so much money. They would never wear a logo. Uh, you know, they wouldn't wear a Louis Vuitton. They, 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 they wouldn't. People that got, really got money, that's why there's something called an old money aesthetic. People that truly have money, you don't even know what they're carrying around. Like, for example, Mark Zuckerberg. You see him, he looks like, you think he looks like a bum because he comes in in jeans and he always has a gray t-shirt on. Always has a gray t-shirt. That's like his uniform, just the same way Steve Jobs always had on jeans, New Balance running shoes, and a black mock turtleneck shirt on. Always had that on. But you look at Mark Zuckerberg and think, this dude still thinks he's in college while in a dorm room walking around with a gray t-shirt and jeans. What you don't know is his gray t-shirt is made by Bruno Cuccinelli, and each t-shirt costs $580. 
But you'd never know that because he's not walking around with a, a Louis Vuitton sweater on. But Mark's got money, but you don't know it by looking at him. And most people, billionaires. It's like Kanye West said one time on a, on a podcast. He was sitting there and he didn't have a big gold chain on. And all the other guys on the podcast had a big gold chain and Cuban links. And they probably paid $250,000 for their chains. And uh, Kanye said, he said, uh, millionaires wear chains. And everybody was like, you know, he thought that he, they thought he was complimenting them. And they were all like, yeah, that's it, man. Yeah, millionaires wear chains. He didn't have one on. He said, billionaires don't wear chains. They were all like tucking their chains in their shirt. <laughs> he was like, billionaires don't wear chains. Jess Burton was reading last night, the top three cars of millionaires are Honda, Toyota, and Ford. And that's exactly right. And I'll tell you something else. If you read a book called The Millionaire Next Door, you'll find out that the number one car millionaires buy in America is the Ford F-150. That is what the majority, the, the most common car bought by millionaires is the Ford F-150, two years old. One to two years old. Because somebody that's got that much money is not going to uh, take the hit on that depreciation. My grandfather retired with millions and millions of dollars. I never saw my grandfather drive a new car in his entire life. In his entire life. Now, it doesn't mean you can't get a new car if you want one, but I'm just telling you what people who actually use wisdom and, and, and have money do. They ignore the word. They ignore scriptural principles. They ignore scriptural principles and spend all they have. They co-sign for others' debt. They do stupid things. Don't ignore the, the leading of God's written word. Number four, they ignore the leading of the Holy Ghost. Put that in the comments. Number four, fourth reason Christians struggle financially is they ignore the leading of the Holy Ghost. I can just tell you, God, by his spirit, will lead you to profit. The Bible says he will. Isaiah 48, 17, the this is what the Holy One of Israel says. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, and leads you in the way that you should go. There's a way you should go that leads to profit, and there's a way you could go that leads to destruction. So many Christians ignore the leading of the Holy Ghost. I came to Florida because the Holy Ghost told me to. But look when I did it. I did it when he told me to, and I didn't wait five years to do it. Watch this now. If, I, if my wife and I would have waited five years, just five years, I mean, that's a big move. We're going to relocate our entire family, sell our home, re relocate everybody to Florida. If I'd have waited just five years from when he told me, then the, the housing bubble would have hit Florida, the boom would have hit, and everything would have doubled and tripled, and I'd have missed out. I, instead, the Lord told me to come and get set up in Florida, and I did it when he told me. And as a result... Uh, I came down, rented that house in the same place that we asked the Lord to allow us to be. He gave it to us. And then a house opened up right in the same neighborhood. You've heard the story many times. And the Lord gave me that house before any of this stuff happened, before the, the boom, before the pandemic, before the bubble, before everybody was trying to get to Florida. And as a result, because I followed the leading of the Holy Ghost, because Carolyn followed the leading of the Holy Ghost, we got into this house in this, in this beautiful place, and then everything hit, and all the house prices in Florida doubled and tripled. And so just by me obeying the voice of the Holy Ghost, get this now, God caused 
my house to double. It wouldn't have happened that way. I would have ended up paying double if I didn't obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. But now, thank you, Holy Ghost, for all that extra equity. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for all that extra equity. I didn't get that. The market didn't get me that. The Holy Ghost got me that by his leading. Thank you, Lord, for all that extra equity. I appreciate it. Because now when I sell that house, if I sell that house, I'm walking away with a good chunk of change. But it's not because I'm so smart. It's because the Holy Spirit led me and all I did was obey. There are things the Holy Ghost will tell you to do. There are steps he'll tell you to take. There are th- He'll guide you to do certain things. And when you do them, you'll see, boom. Pastor Bob Rogers uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. The Lord spoke to him at one point to buy a certain parcel of land. And he bought that land. You know what they found out after they, that he bought it? They found out it had natural gas on it. They had natural gas on his land. You know what that means? That he can come, have them pay him to extract that gas, and he gets the money. He may have been thinking, oh, Lord, well, who wants that old plot of land? Why do I need to buy that plot of land? Buy it. Buy it. Buy it. He bought it. And when he bought it, they discovered the natural gas on it. Do you know, because of what uh, Dr. Jesse Duplantis has, because of the property he has, he has oil and gas on his property so that they can actually make their own jet fuel. They can make their own jet fuel because it's on his property. He can sit there on the runway in his jet and just sit there and let the engine run. And he's not sitting there going, how much is this costing me for jet fuel? How much am I paying to let the engine? He didn't have, he's making his own jet fuel on his property. Think about that. You follow the voice of the Holy Ghost. He teaches you to profit. He teaches you to profit. He teaches you to profit. Follow the leading of the spirit. Don't make financial decisions without asking the Lord first. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? I'm just going to buy this house. I think it's a good idea. Ask the Holy Ghost. Ask the Holy Ghost. So they ignore the Holy Ghost. Number five, fifth reason that Christians struggle financially is they don't pursue their purpose. They do what they want to do with their life instead of what the Holy Ghost told them to do. But get this. This is not just trite. This is not just a cliche. Where God leads, he feeds. Where he guides, he provides. Where God leads, he feeds. Where he guides, he provides. They don't pursue their purpose. They just decide what they want to do with their life. All right. So the Lord's like, if you want to just decide your own plan, then go ahead and take care of your own plan. But if you want to follow my plan, I'll provide. I've already got it set up. I've already got the blessings prepared and set aside for you. When you're doing the thing that the Lord's told you to do with your life, you don't have to struggle. And that doesn't mean just ministry. There's people that know what they're supposed to do in business and they just take steps that the Lord tells them to take and then things just keep getting put in their hands. I gave the testimony last night, I gave it on Sunday at the church. A family in our church that moved here to be a part of the church opened their own business and as they did, they're experiencing such violent growth, 1,050% growth, that the uh, corporate office called and said, would you please speak at the national conference and tell all the other uh, people that run their dealerships how to do what you're doing? You've, the average increase of growth like this is like 100 and some percent growth. You're doing 1,050%. 
Most people have a 30% conversion rate on sales. They have 90%. Why? They're obeying the, they, they could have stayed in New York, but the Lord told them to move to Florida, told them to come here, told them to be planted Miracle Word Church. So what happens? Because you obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, he teaches you to profit. He leads you in the way you should go. The Holy Ghost does it. So ask the Holy Ghost and then obey his voice. And then watch when you obey his voice, takes you into increase that doesn't make sense. Don't ignore the Holy Ghost leading and then go do your own thing. Because when you do your own thing, you're responsible for your own provision. When you do God's thing, he's responsible for your provision. So they don't pursue their purpose. Pursue your purpose. You know because the Lord is leading you. Number six, many Christians struggle financially because of false humility. False humility. And that's why I said at the beginning, you got to get this made up in your mind. This is for me. God wants me blessed. God wants me blessed. I am very willing. I am very willing to take all the flack. I am very willing for every YouTube comment that may, may be up after this, every fa Facebook comment or whatever. You're a wolf in sheep's clothing. You're shearing God's sheep. You're going to answer to God one day for preaching this false prosperity gospel. You know, I'm, I'm very willing to take all those comments because I know what the Bible says and I know what God's character and nature is, what he wants for his children. I'm, I'm very clear on the system of seed time and harvest. I know it does not cease. I know that Paul the Apostle called financial giving seed and promised that a harvest comes back from financial giving. I know that if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. I know that if you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. God's word doesn't change. His desire doesn't change. His character and nature don't change. Neither does his system change. So I'm willing for all those people that don't read their Bible or that improperly interpret their Bible, I'm fine. I'll take all those comments. I'll take all that flack because I don't care. I know what God's word says and I know what he does. And I'd rather tell God's people the truth and get them blessed. This isn't a telethon. I'm not, I'm not doing a telethon right now. There's no 1-800 number on the screen right now for you to call. <laughs> I'm not doing this with ulterior motives. You're either going to partner with this ministry or you're not going to partner with this ministry. You're either going to sow seed or you're not going to sow seed. We always give people an opportunity. I never manipulate. You'll never see me manipulating. You'll never see me pressuring. You'll never see me get on these broadcasts or on TV. If you don't sow today, then this ministry's going under. We need you to sow that we can stay on television another week. You'll never see me do it. I love you. I love your family. I want to see you overflow. I want to see you blessed. I want to see you walking more than enough. I want to see you with so much, so much excess that you're spilling over onto your generation. I want to see you so blessed that it makes wicked people angry. I want to see you so blessed that there's nobody around you that doesn't get blessed just by standing next to you. Amen. I feel like Bishop Boyadepa when I heard him pray that, Father, if you won't bless my people, don't bless me. I feel that way. I don't, want, I don't want to walk around blessed and then the people of Miracle Word Church and the Victory Tribe are struggling. They're not making ends meet. They can't get... No, you're going to be blessed. I love you. The only reason I'm giving you these truths that others take flack for is because I love you. I want to see you overflow. And you will overflow in Jesus' name. This will be your greatest year in Jesus' name. 2024 will blow your mind in Jesus' name. And we've got faith, but he goes and exceeds our faith. He does exceeding abundantly and above all that we could ask or think. 
And so I, I'm telling you, because I love you, I want to see you blow up to another level. Amen. <laughs> Just keep in mind, there's no 1-800 number. There's no one standing by to take your call. We have people right now that are standing by to take your call. Call right now. If you call within the next 15 minutes, I'll give you all of these books right here. If you'll call right now within the next 15 minutes, I'll add these two books as well. <laughs> I just love you. I love you. And I want to see, I want to see you blessed. And I know God's word works. I've worked it. And God's not a man that he should lie. Or the son of man that he should repent or take back his word. Has he not spoken it and will he not do it? Has he not said it? Will he not bring it to pass? Of course he will. He doesn't lie. God's not a man that he lies. And so there's people that have false humility. Oh, brother, I could never receive that. No, no, th thank you. That's that false humility. Oh, well, I don't need too much. We don't need that much, brother. I mean, yeah, you do. If you don't think you need that much, it's because your vision's very small. And your purpose is very small. Oh, brother, what would I, brother, what would I need a million dollars for? You know how much million dollars is? It's not that much money. A million dollars is not that much money. There's not that much you can do for a million dollars in 2024. If you think a million dollars is going to take care of your lifelong vision, you're, it must be very small. Very small. You need a lot. Oh, brother, we don't need a lot. Oh, you need a lot. Trust me. If you're not, I've told, I'll say this and I'll say it again and I'll say it again and I'll say it again. If you don't care about becoming blessed financially, it's because you don't care about people. That's hard to hear for, for some people that have been taught that this is all wrong and everything. Let me just say that again. Put it in the notes. Put it in the comments. If I don't care about becoming blessed financially, it's because I don't care about people. If I don't care about becoming blessed financially, I don't care about people. Because how can I help people if I can't even help myself? How can I take care of my generation? How can I be an asset to my generation if I can't even take care of myself? And so, we have to do what God's word says so that we can abound to every good work. You know, people miss that part, don't they, of 2 Corinthians 9. They really miss that part. And I know we're focused on the fact that God will give us a harvest and all those things, and yes, he will, but for what purpose? Why? Why does God want us to be in that position? The Bible tells us why. The Bible says um, in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Oh man, verse eight is so powerful that, and most people miss it because they're on verse six or they're on verse 10 and 11 and you'll be enriched in every way. Yeah, but why? But why is that the case? Eight is why. Eight is why. I'm gonna read it again. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, stop there. What is all sufficiency? Sufficiency means everything's got uh, filled up. It's enough. All sufficiency in what? In all things. In all things. To the point, like in the Old Testament, they kept bringing uh, offerings and he said, stop bringing it. It's more than enough. 
all sufficiency in all things, that what? At all times you may abound. Abundance. That's what, abound, abundance. So you may abound in what? Every good work. So, so think about that. This is not talking about just handling my stuff, is it? It's talking about being able to abound in every good work. Do you realize what the context of 2 Corinthians is? He's receiving an offering for other believers that aren't even there. You, you know that. Paul, that's the whole point. Paul is receiving an offering from a group of believers to take to another group of believers. And that's what they're doing in that moment. He said, you're abounding in every good work. Right now, you're blessing others. And as you do this, guess what's going to happen? You're going to abound in every good work. And you'll have all sufficiency in all things at all times. Somebody put in the comments, at all times. Do you know what that means? It means that there's not up years and then down years. It's not that there's a roller coaster of blessing. And right now I'm in the, I'm in the skinny. Right now I'm in the barely getting by. But later I'm going to get into the abundance again. No, no. All sufficiency at all times. What's up, Donnie Petty? All sufficiency at all times. That means that it's consistent. It's a consistent overflow. It's a consistent all grace abounding unto you in all things at all times. Consistency. Consistency. Bonnie said, my income has doubled since sitting under teachers who regularly tell the truth about tithing and sowing. Yeah, because it works. It works at all times. So get, get false humility out of your life. Well, I, I can't step into that. I don't need much, brother. Oh, you need a lot. If you don't care about being financially blessed, you don't care about people. Bottom line, because there's no homeless people buying other homeless people homes, in case you haven't noticed. There's no homeless people going out and buying massive amounts of food, bringing it back, and feeding all the homeless people that have tents all around their tent. None. Because it takes people that have something to bless those who have nothing. So if I don't care about being financially blessed, I don't care about people. Number seven, <clears throat> that's why I want to be a right voice in your life, not a wrong voice. Because number seven is this, Christians struggle financially because they've got wrong voices in their ear, wrong voices in their ear, wrong voices in their ear. I'm going to be a right voice to you. I'm going to tell you what the Bible actually says and the purpose behind prosperity. There's a purpose behind prosperity. God doesn't mind you being blessed because he's got a purpose for your prosperity. Christians running around with wrong voices in their ear. Shut that off. If you, if you go to a church where there's a pastor that tells you prosperity is a, a false gospel, leave the church. God doesn't want you finding, God's not, God doesn't care about financial blessings. He cares about spiritual. He cares about your spiritual. Yes, he cares about you, the spiritual state of your heart and he cares about whether or not you have enough financially. I don't understand how, how people have gotten so stupid. Look at me again, going back to a father. I have children. Do you know that at the same time that I care that their heart is right before God, at the same time that I care that they live a holy, separated life consecrated unto God, I also care that my children have more than enough to eat, more than enough clothes to wear, more than enough, they, a roof over their head, have more than enough. You know, when, I, when it comes to Christmas time, I don't just buy them the things that they need. I buy them all the things they want, and I'm totally unashamed that I buy them all the things they want. 
I don't care because my kids aren't spoiled. They're blessed because they get corrected plenty and they behave themselves. We'll fly on a plane and I can see other, we'll sit in first class and I can see other elderly people get around us and they, they kind of look around like, oh no, this is going to be okay. I got, I got a seven-year-old kid here, a 10-year-old kid there. I got a 13-year-old back here. What, what in the world this is going to be? And then they'll come to my wife after me like, your kids are so well-behaved. I've never seen anything like this before. They tell us that at restaurants. Your kids are so well-behaved. Yeah, because they're blessed. They're not spoiled. I correct them. But in the same way that, <clears throat> in the same way I don't, I don't want to see them living in sin, I also don't want to see my kids living in poverty. I don't want to see my kids sick and diseased either. So I, I don't understand this whole thing. Stupid preachers that get in the pulpit. No, you know, God, God's truly interested in your spiritual well-being and your spiritual prosperity. It's, they're not mutually exclusive, dummy. Yes, he's interested in your spirit being renewed and you being on your way to heaven, name written in the Lamb's book of life. But do you think he also then wants your body to suffer sickness and disease and that he wants you to suffer financially? That's not the Bible. That's not the word of God. I love my children and I'm an earthly father. I want them living holy. I want them consecrated. I want them set apart. But I also want them healed. And I also want them financially blessed. Number seven, they've got wrong voices, Terry, in their ear. Christians have wrong voices in their ears. Telling them that that prosperity gospel, that's a false gospel, that's a demonic gospel. Yeah, because you don't read the Bible or you don't know God. How can you know him and know his character and his nature and think that he doesn't want to bless his children when you're as a, as a father, you want to bless your children more than that, which is why Christmas and birthdays look the way they do. That's why you got an 11-year-old walking around your house with a $1,000 phone on their ear. And then you tell me that God doesn't want to bless his children to abundance. Your 11-year-old daughter didn't need an iPhone, but you got her one. Why? Because you love her. You like to see her smile, and you wanted to bless her. And then they go around telling you God's not interested in that for his children. Who, who do you think God is? Who do you think God is? And so they got wrong voices. If you go to a church like that, if your pastor even breathes anything like that out of his mouth from the pulpit, get out of that church. Because you know why? You say, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's a minor issue. We don't have to break fellowship over that. All right, that's your business. But I'm going to tell you, I would break fellowship out of that, over that in a minute. I wasn't even a, attending a, a church. I was just there and someone else was speaking and they started mocking that kind of stuff. I was on the front row. I told my wife, next time the preacher goes to that side of the sanctuary, get your purse. We're out of here. And I had driven some hours to be in that meeting. And I heard the preacher start making comments, and I was like, not only is this not my church, I'm not sticking around even for this service, because I'm not sticking around to a place where they're mock God's goodness and mock God's will and mock God's plan. Bye. I'm out. Because I'm not sitting for this, because the other thing is, if it's on camera, if it's on live stream, and then they hear the preacher talking all this junk, and then the camera pans over to me, and I'm sitting there on the front row, my presence in the place means I support the message, and I don't support it. So I'm gone later. I don't support that nonsense. So I got up and the pastor's assistant came running out in the parking lot. Brother Ted, where are you going? I got to go home. I'm leaving. You're not going to stay for the end. I'm not staying for the end. Bye. God bless you. Tell pastor I love him. I'm out. I'm not doing it. I'm not sitting around with wrong voices. Not because that guy would change what I believe internally. He'd never change what I believe. I know the Bible. 
but I'm also not putting my stamp of approval on that foolishness. If you go to a church that even breathes that out of their mouth, I'd end it and get out because that is a slight on God's character. It's a slap in the face of redemption. You might as well go up to the cross and slap Jesus in the face. So, brother, it's not that serious. Oh, it is according to 2 Corinthians 8. He became poor so that through his poverty he could make you rich. That's talking about finances, by the way. This whole passage is Paul's taking an offering. When did Jesus become poor? He wasn't poor in heaven. Did he become poor when he came to the earth? No, he was not poor on the earth. As soon as he was born, wise men came and brought him bags of gold, bags of frankincense, bags of myrrh. He grew up, he had a ministry, his ministry had wealthy partners attached to it, Luke 8, 1 through 3, and they gave constantly into his ministry. He had a money bag with excess, he had a treasurer who embezzled regularly from the funds, and they still had more than enough to accomplish their purpose. Jesus wasn't poor. So when did he become poor? Same time he became sin. Was Jesus a sinner? No. Did he become sin? Yes. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he who knew no sin was made to be sin that, that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus was not a sinner, but he was made to be sin. Jesus was not poor naturally, but he took poverty upon himself. He became poor that through his poverty could make you rich. Do you know, one of the blessings of redemption, people that don't understand this, it's like you've not read all the way through the Bible, I'm, con I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced of it. What, did the, what were the angels saying about Jesus in heaven in, in Revelation 5? The angels were singing and shouting, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, and wealth, and wisdom and might, and honor and glory and blessing. One translation gives that riches. Worthy is the Lamb, the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches. And you don't think Jesus died to receive wealth, to purchase that for the body of Christ, riches for the body of Christ? Well, brother, that means spiritual riches. Okay. Okay. Keep telling yourself that. Jesus not only walked in overflow, he produced miracles of provision to show his nature. Turn water into wine. Gave him the best wine they ever had in the whole, whole party. What are you doing? You've kept the best to last. This is the very best you had. Yeah, it's because Jesus made it. 5,000 men plus women and children, he multiplies the loaves and the fish until what? Until they've all eaten and were full and wanted no more, and then he kept on multiplying until there were 12 baskets left over. He didn't need to do that. God can count. God knows how hungry everybody is. It wasn't an accident. It's a, it's a system. It's God showing you his nature. He's a God of overflow and excess. He could have stopped when the last person had eaten enough. The last person ate all they wanted and they could have looked at, wow, God, you did that perfectly. You multiplied that until everybody was full and you did it right on the dot because there's not one ounce of bread or fish left. No, he kept on going until there was so much that disciples had to carry 12 baskets full of bread and fish. For what purpose? To show you who he is. And if you hear that voice, even a little bit, you got people in your ear that speak that junk, that nonsense about our God slapping the face to redemption. Bye, I'm out of here. Get rid of wrong voices. But also, get rid of wrong voices in the natural realm that tell you to do stupid things. Stop hanging with people you don't even want to be like. 
Everybody, why is every one of your friends in debt up to their eyeballs? You'll become the average of the five people you hang around the most. Hang around people that know where they're going, that have it together, that understand the principles that are walking in overflow. Stop hanging with the people that all, all are dealing with the same problems you want to be free from. Because you know what will happen is that you'll spend time doing what they do. You'll go where they go. You'll live like they live. So even when well, I get paid Friday, so I'm going to go ahead and spend a lot today because, you know, I got my paycheck Friday. It's time for a shopping spree. You'll live like they live. You think I don't know? There's plenty of Christians that get their paycheck and go to the bar. There's plenty. And say they love God and they go with their buddies because they're friends. And we've done this has been our tradition. You know, every third Friday we go to the same bar. We've been doing this for 20 years. And, you know, we just, just I'm just kind of hanging. I, I drink socially, you know. But you know, and then the same, So you'll do the same stuff you've always done. So you'll have what you've always had. Get rid of that mindset. If you, if you are around people all the time that all they do is spend themselves into debt, spend themselves into debt, guess what's going to happen? Surprise, surprise, you're going to spend yourself into debt. And if you don't have those people around you, keep your circle tight and close or just excuse yourself. That's right, Bonnie. Broke folk, no plan, no obedience. Got wrong voices in the spirit, wrong voices in the natural. Number eight, eighth reason Christians remain poor and they struggle financially, no stewardship in their life. They've got no stewardship. They don't, even, they don't even have a financial plan. They don't even know what they're doing. What's your plan for the future? Well, I don't know. Just hoping I make some more money before I get older. That's not a plan. Bonnie Johnson dropping the Lord of the Rings on us today. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. The wise worlds of Gandalf the Grey to Frodo Baggins in the Shire as he handed the ring back to them in an envelope. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Do the same with your friends. Do the same with your life. Doesn't, everybody doesn't have to know everything. No stewardship. When I was a youth pastor, one of my youth leaders was struggling financially, and I couldn't figure out why because he worked like a dog. He was always working. He had like three jobs, all this stuff, and he was just upset, and he called me one day. I'm struggling. I said, bring your finances in. Let's go over it because I said, I'll help you, but I, I don't know. I don't understand what you're dealing with here. He brought his finances in. I mean, we went through all of that. We went through all of it. I went down through every bill he had to pay every month, all of his, everything, how much he made, took out tithe, all, all the stuff, offering, all, everything. And at the end of the month, at the end of, the, uh, uh, of the, the budget that I put together, I was like, dude, look at this. You've got like $1,500 to $2,500 a month extra after you've paid every bill, given your tithes and everything. I said, where's that money? Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, why that, you know why you don't know where that money is? It's because you don't have a plan. You have no stewardship ability. Working three jobs. He had like seven cars. Some of them didn't even run. What are you doing with seven cars? Well, I collect cars. Why are you collecting cars that don't run? It's not like you have like vi vintage Mercedes. It's like a Civic from 1985 that doesn't have, it's on blocks. Why, why do you have seven cars? working three jobs, and you got $1,500 to $2,500 a month extra that you don't know where it's going. That's a lot of money. That's an average of $24,000 a year that you don't know where it is.
That's a problem. That's a lack of stewardship. Same with the spending all they have. It's a lack of stewardship. Not saving anything. Lack of stewardship. I'm sure you've heard this phrase before. If you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went. I'm sure you've heard that before. If you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went. That's what was happening to him. Because he didn't tell his money where to go, he was wondering where it went. Got to have a plan. If you think, you know, I've, I've heard people preach about, um, you know, operating in such prosperity that you don't even need a budget. Okay. But, but they're not mutually exclusive. You think just because you're walking in the overflow, you don't need to be a steward? No, you need to be a steward. Because if you're not faithful over a little, how's God going to make you ruler over much? Think it through. If you're not ruler over little, or faithful over little, how will he make you ruler over much? You've not heard that, Tammy? If you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went. David Ramsey. That's his phrase. If you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went. And that's exactly what happens to most people. It's the little stuff. It builds up subscriptions, monthly subscriptions, uh, uh, memberships, and, um, you know, $50 here at Walmart, 75 there at Target. And, you know, they, they don't know. So at, at the end, they say, where did all my money go? It went everywhere. It went all over the place. But there was no plan, so now it's gone. And because it's gone, there's nothing to save. And as a result, you spent all you had. And as a result, the Bible calls you a fool. Don't be that person who, who lacks stewardship. And then God looks down and says, man, I love them. Man, I want to bless them. But I can't give them more than they have right now because they can't even handle this. Do you know, that's the key that when I tell people, say, people say, well, when I start making more money, you know, we'll start tithing. No, you won't. You don't tithe on what you have now. Don't tell me that you're at, you know, $50,000 a year, but you know, when I get to $100,000 a year, we're going to start tithing. No, you won't. Why would you tithe on more? You don't even tithe on the less. And I, and I hear people say that all the time. Well, we'll start tithing. We make some more money. No, you won't. If you're not faithful now, you won't be faithful then. If you're not faithful now, you won't be faithful then. Let me give you number nine. This may become a book someday. Who knows? Got a lot in the queue. All I know is we got at least four books coming out in 2024. Number nine reason, and this is a big one because everybody thinks everything's spiritual. A lot of Christians resist natural wisdom. They resist it like the plague. I've never, I've never seen so many people resist natural wisdom. Even with just a basic question, like, what's your financial plan? Oh, you know, I don't know. I was just really uh, hoping they give me a raise at my job. And then, you know, what if they never gave you a raise at your job? What would your financial plan be? To answer hoping they give me a raise at my job, that is not a plan. That's a pipe dream. Many, many Christians resist natural wisdom. You have to ask yourself, where do I want, where do I want to go? And, and, and here's the deal. People may give him a hard time or whatever. And there's a lot of Christians and there's a lot of preachers that give Dave Ramsey a hard time. But I do think that the baby steps are great for most people. 
Because 90% of Americans, what is it, 85 to 90% of Americans are in credit card debt that they can't pay? 90% of Americans, if a $500 emergency presented itself, they'd have to put it on a credit card. They'd have to put it on a credit card because they don't have the cash available to pay a $500 emergency. Most people, nine out of 10 people. That's a sad place to be. Where a $500 something hits you extra in this month's budget has to go on a credit card. I don't have 500 extra dollars. So for most people, the Baby Steps plan, I understand it's not an advanced investment plan. I get that. I understand it's not gonna, it's not gonna be the thing that makes you, you know, $10 million in, in, in four years. I get that. But that's not where most people are, my friend. Most people are at a place where they're going paycheck to paycheck, just trying to make, make ends meet, just trying to put life together. And so if you've never heard of the baby steps, I mean, just a few of the baby steps would help. He says, number one, get $1,000 cash together as quickly as possible and set it aside as an emergency fund, starter emergency fund. If, you don't, if you've not done that as a Christian, and right now you're watching me, and a $500 emergency would go on a credit card, then you need to do baby step number one, and you need to put $1,000 together as soon as possible. People talk about all kinds of spiritual things, but they're not even doing the basic things. Put it aside and set it there and say, I refuse to go further into debt. I refuse. I refuse. And then you get into that place where you make up in your mind, like the Bible says, I'll be the lender and not the borrower in Jesus' name. And I'm going to, in Jesus' name, pay every debt off that I owe. I'll pay every debt off that I owe. And then you go at it ferociously. Because step number two is you pay off all your debts, minus your house if you have a house with a mortgage. You pay off every credit card debt, medical bill, student loan debt, car payment, everything you have with the debt snowball system. Lowest balance to highest balance in order. And go after it with everything you got. Minimum payments on everything else, and then everything extra you have, wiping those debts out to get out of debt because you're a Christian and you're called to be the lender, not the borrower. Amen. And in the midst of all that, if an emergency does arise and you have to jump into your $1,000 emergency fund to pay the debt, then you stop paying those debts besides minimum payment until you go back and fill that $1,000 emergency fund up again. Just that'll help people, let alone getting into books and studying their, their financial future, their financial life. Ben Fraley said, what book is that, Pastor Ted? The book is entitled The Total Money Makeover. The Total Money Makeover, Dave Ramsey. It'll help you. People can make fun of them if they want to. I've actually had people, and I laugh, because I got out of debt with, with all that. My wife and I, we started, and then we're out. And I've, I've, had, I've had like younger guys sit with me. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with all that Dave Ramsey stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, well, I've got more money than you. So you might want to listen to it because it helped me and it'll help you. People love to sit around and talk like they're making moves. You're not making any moves. What'd you do, buy an NFT that, that's now worth nothing? Once you know, I got three NFTs this month. Good for you. And people like to talk and act like they're making moves and like they have a better way. But if you have a better way, then you should be more blessed. You should be at a higher level if you've got a better way. But you're not at a higher level than those that are working the principles. Natural wisdom. 
Do you know, God did, listen to this. Please put this in your, in your notes. Please put it in your mind. Please put it in the comments. Oh uh, yeah, Don, it's called The Millionaire Next Door. That's the other book, The Millionaire Next Door. That's a good one as well. I've read that. God didn't just give you a spirit. He gave you a brain. Comments, notes, get it in your spirit. God didn't just give you a spirit. He gave you a brain. There's a reason for that. I'm going to say it again. God didn't just give you a spirit. He gave you a brain. I want you to go here with me. Proverbs 4. I'll finish with this. I'll pray for you. Proverbs 4. Remember something that the Bible says. Wisdom is the principal thing. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You need to go through Proverbs every day. If you're not doing this now, add it to your Bible reading plan. One proverb a day, every day for the rest of your life. One proverb every day. For the, and you know it's easy to know which one you're on? Look at the calendar. Today's Proverbs 15. Today's Proverbs 15. Every day read one for the rest of your life. Do it. It'll help you immensely. Proverbs 4, listen to this. I want to start reading with um, verse 5. We'll read down to verse 9. Proverbs 4, verses 5 through 9. Proverbs 4, verses 5 through 9. Get wisdom. That's a command. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Who's her? Wisdom and insight. Because this is poetry, that this is a poetic book in the Bible, it personifies wisdom like it's a person. But you can search the world. You're not going to find a person that's a woman walking around named wisdom. It's personifying a concept. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't forsake her. She'll keep you. Love her. She'll guard you. Verse 7, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. <laughs> the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. <laughs> it's like saying the beginning of finances is this, get finances. <laughs> you, you can't have a financial plan if you don't have finances. So the beginning of a financial plan is get finances. And whatever you get, get insight. Why? Prize her highly and she'll exalt you. She'll honor you if you embrace her. She'll place on your head a graceful garland. She'll bestow on you a beautiful crown. A beautiful crown. Think about that. So what will happen? Wisdom will exalt you. Wisdom will honor you. And put a crown on your head. In all you're getting, get wisdom. In all you're getting, get wisdom. Huh. And so God didn't give you a spirit only. He gave you a brain. Why would we not read wisdom? I'm, I'm, 
I made up my mind. I'm going to read this year. I mean, I read a lot anyway, but I'm going to, I'm going to ramp it up. I'm going to read two to three books a month every year this year. And not just books about the Bible. I'm going to read, I'm going to get wisdom like I've never gotten in 2024. I'm going to have wisdom like I've never gotten in 2024. That's right. Add some doing, Letty. You got to do. You don't just get it as wisdom and leave it in your brain. You got to do what you learn. Get wisdom. Take some steps. What are some things you can do? You know, there's never been a time like now, better than now, to get wisdom quickly. You can get that. You can, you can listen to lectures. You can listen to the smartest people in the world that teach these principles that have it activated in their life, giving their stuff away for free on YouTube, just telling you how to do what they do. You know why they do that for free? Because they know most people will never do it. That's why Gary Vaynerchuk said he gives everything away for free online. He said, that's why you'll still pay to come to my conference where I teach all the exact same things that I teach on YouTube. I'll teach them at my conference and you pay to come to that. He said, and I'm not afraid to give it all away for free online because I know most people will never do it. Most people will never do it. So he said, I'll just teach you and teach you and teach you and tell you and tell you and tell you. There's so much available online. There's so much available. You can get books. You know, imagine, this is what blows my mind. You'd probably pay money. One of the greatest investors of all time, Warren Buffett. You, I bet you'd pay a lot of money to sit in a room with him and, and get to hear his thoughts for an hour. What would most people spend to sit in a, at a table with Warren Buffett for an hour and hear him talk? Conversation. But have they ever read his books? Have they ever sat down and put the wisdom he dropped into a book? Have they ever read the books? There's leaders. There are world leaders. There are people, business leaders, marketing leaders, entrepreneur leaders, real estate leaders. Oh, people would love to spend time with them and, and, and hear what they have to say. Have you read their books? Because there's plenty of books available. Have you ever read them? No. No, I haven't. I've never read their books. Well, read them. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and get understanding, get insight. That's why leaders are readers. Leaders are readers. And now you can put into that same uh, category. It doesn't rhyme, but leaders are podcast listeners and, and leaders are YouTube video watchers. Leaders are readers, podcast listeners, and YouTube video watchers. In all you're getting, get wisdom. Get insight, get understanding. And then you know what's awesome? Is because you have the mind of Christ and because you have the Holy Ghost, you actually have an advantage against all those other people that are also reading and listening and watching because now the Holy Spirit can then show you things with insight that they don't have because they don't have somebody that leads them and guides them into all truth. But you do. You do. And so I want you to get that in your spirit. You are not, this is the, if you were struggling before this year, that struggle comes to an end in Jesus name. That struggle comes to an end in Jesus name. you make up in your mind. I'm going to be a tither. I'm going to be a sower. I will not ignore the word. I will not ignore the Holy ghost. I will pursue only my purpose. I'll get rid of any false humility. I'll get rid of wrong voices. I'll become a good steward and I will not resist natural wisdom. Nine things. And, and yes, Angie, I may, I may pop this into book form. Maybe, maybe before this year comes to an end, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you something. Just do, these, just do these things and watch things take off. You'll come to December and be like, good Lord, look what happened in 12 months by just doing these nine things. 
It's not 21 steps. It's not 50 different things. It's not 1,001 techniques. It's nine things. And you're already probably doing some of those. So just tighten up the other areas and watch what'll happen. Watch what'll happen in one year. Watch what'll happen in one year. It'll blow your mind. Father, I pray that every financial issue comes to an end this year. Every financial struggle comes to an end this year. Lord, before this fast comes to an end, give us ideas, supernatural ideas, for alternate streams of income so that we can be raised up to be pillars of generosity in the kingdom. We'll be a blessing in our generation. We're not going paycheck to paycheck. We're not living under mounds of debt. It comes to a quick end in Jesus' name. It comes to a quick end in Jesus' name. And I thank you and I praise you, Lord, that your goodness and mercy will be visible in our lives. It's not going to be a pipe dream. It's not a fantasy. It's not something I hope in the future. No, it will be visible in our lives. People will see it, a tangible blessing, tangible turnarounds in Jesus' name. Tangible blessing, tangible turnarounds in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you. For the faithful, this is going to be a year of open heavens. For the faithful, we're going to see things turn quickly in our favor. For the faithful, it's going to be mind-blowing. So we give you glory, Lord. We give you praise. We give you thanks for your people. In Jesus' mighty name, we love you, Lord. We thank you that you're our source. You're the only source of our blessing. You're the only source. You get all the praise. You get all the glory. It's never our ability. It's never our education. It's never our connections. It's you alone that gets the glory. You alone get the praise. In Jesus' wonderful, mighty name. If you believe it, shout aloud, amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.